Hello, I'm Noah, your host, and this is The In-Between Project. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you can come home and find parts of yourself in the stories that will be shared. On the show, I'm going to have friends, professors, and just some awesome people I've met along the way, all sharing a common experience that for far too long I thought I was alone in. So where do I start? I guess I guess I can start with what do I mean when I say the in-between? I think the best way to put it is that it's a way of being. It can be very personal, but also a quite common experience of what it's like to be in between selves, races, cultures, peoples, homelands, languages, and stories. And I think that there's many types of people who can fit into this definition. On the show, you will hear from people with immigrant experiences, people who were children of refugees born in a different country than their parents, people of mixed race, people who don't really feel like they have a cultural racial identity within today's definitions. So, you know, I think in between us is definitely more of a feeling, an experience in the world, than a given identity. But I don't think this experience is a new way of being. Floating between selves and identities has long been a part of the human story, since humans have been picking up and moving, changing homelands, and seeking new beginnings since we've been on this earth. I think the world, and my generation in particular, is in a moment of getting really clear with our identities and really vocalizing them. And you know, I understand why. As we try to envision a new world, we need new vocabulary that captures who one is as an individual, where they come from, and the nuances in their community's history. But I also think that showing up in a room as your identity first can be tricky. Sometimes the politics of identity are limiting, reductive. They can pigeonhole people. They can be like name tags that don't really get at the whole of who you are. And as I've been talking to people who feel that they are in this in-between, claiming an identity is not an easy thing. Some people may feel that they have to perform their identity when in reality they don't feel authentic to it on the inside. Or other people might physically present to the world in a certain way and yet have a concealed identity that feels more like who they are. And in other cases, some people can't even trace back to their roots. They have no connection whatsoever to their ethnic cultural identity and feel more comfortable moving through the world with an adopted sense of self based on where they were socialized, who their parents are, and where they grew up. And because of all of these complexities between who you are as an individual and your identity, some shame and confusion can come up uh, when you don't show up in the world as your identity dictates you should. So that's why I'm here, to offer a space for all the messiness, all the confusion, for all the multiplicitous selves, as one of my guests, Dr. Ortega, says. I also want to explore the nostalgia for past selves and past homelands. This usually comes from immigrant or refugee experiences in having to leave what once was home. And I want to look at how the pain of a fragmented self can offer new possibilities of moving through the world, finding new definitions of home, and a renewed meaning of life and spirituality. It's 2021, and our world still lives in the wake of European colonization, which has shaped many of our systems of knowledge and power today. Like literally every country was affected by colonialism. And colonialism sought to impose that there was only one correct way of being, one definition of a human. 
and all those who fell outside this definition could be subjected to inconceivable violence and oppression. Today, those living in the quote-unquote Western world, because like, where is the West actually? We are the descendants of either the oppressor or the oppressed. And in many cases, some of us are now a mix of the two. To survive in the Western world, you must take on its morals, its customs, and gestures. Take on the way of being, the ideas, even tones of voice that come from a system of white supremacy. And I've learned that nobody really has a say in where and how they are raised, how they are enculturated, what they are exposed to. This can get interesting when parts of your personality and private interests are more westernized, or some people might say whitewashed, falling outside of what is typical in your community or your identity in past generations. And that's where I want to figure out how do we deal with these contradictions within ourselves? How do we decolonize ourselves while embracing who we are in the present moment? One thing I've learned is that there is no going back. And that's very painful for a self in the in-between. The fact that you just can't undo what has been done by forces outside of your control. The fact that an individual cannot return to a native state of who they once were. And as one of my favorite professors says, shout out Professor Malik, there has never really existed such a thing as a native pure state of identity. Humans have always been moving, mixing, contending with their histories and their futures, and always wanting to return home to what once was. But I don't want to take away from the immense amount of pain that comes with these ruptures of self and home. The pain that comes from living under or fleeing systems of violence. I do, however, want to look at where we are now and what building a new future could look like. I think we are deeply coming to terms with the history and current reality of white supremacy, Eurocentrism, racism, classism, genocide, and the destruction of the natural world. And we're asking the questions, how do we move forward? Do we dismantle and start over? Is that even really possible? I am a huge believer that what is happening on the outside in the collective space is also happening on the inside. So these same questions can apply to your very own personal experience, and especially for people in between. There are challenges in understanding the many selves they carry that might not all fit into a box. And although they might know where they originally come from, it's tough to recognize that you can never really go back home to what once was or undo who you are now. It's like being a figurative and literal nomad. This is how I used to feel, pretty groundless, without any true place of belonging, like I was a person without a people, forever roaming without roots. If I can give you a little bit of my background, I was born in New York City and raised in Miami, Florida, by a black American mother and a Chilean father. Both my parents were already outsiders in their respective communities and, I would say, seekers of a new way of being from the circumstances and cultures they were born into. My mom grew up in South LA, and as soon as she graduated high school, got as far away as she could, for a lot of different reasons, um, spending much of her young adulthood moving around the world working whatever job she could find without a college education and little money. My dad, on the other hand, grew up in Chile and left for the United States after finishing school. While the reasons for leaving their homes were different and not strictly political, my parents pushed themselves out into an in-between state, trusting that whatever the future held would be better than what they left behind. When they met each other, I think there was an understanding that they could create this new future and home together that their fragmented identities didn't really matter when they were together. 
They created their own space of belonging in the small Miami apartment where I was raised. And for the first years of my life, any feeling of in-betweenness or unbelonging really wasn't there. I was just Noah (laughs) in all of my uniqueness and all of my truth and all of my magic. But because both my parents lived far away from their original communities and they were outsiders um, in their culture, my connection to my Chileanness and my blackness was limited. I didn't realize that I was supposed to have these feelings inside of like, oh yeah, I'm Chilean, oh, I'm black, you know, like a certainty about my identity. I just thought I belonged everywhere. Um, that to feel and look racially ambiguous was not something that set me apart. But with age and more self-awareness, I realized that the world didn't see me this way. It was difficult for people to place me. I have brown skin, and that signified that I was someone who was not white. But was I Cuban? Was I Middle Eastern? Brazilian? Somewhere from the Caribbean? Or from India? Those are always the questions I got. And growing up, I went to schools that were predominantly light-skinned Latinos and white Jewish American kids. And I managed to somewhat fit in. You know, I could speak Spanish at my Colombian friends' houses, or, or I always look forward to attending Shabbat dinner with my Jewish friends. Curiously enough, Miami is one of the cities where white Anglo-Americans are not the majority. I think I'm so aware at this point of all the racial and ethnic demographics of my schools and my neighborhood, because I spent a long time being aware that I stuck out. I do want to add that these were the middle, upper middle class neighborhoods in Miami because there are lots of black and brown people, but the class inequality and systemic racism keep the schools and neighborhoods segregated. So this was just my experience in Miami. Um, And in my schools and friend groups, I became the master of shape-shifting. You know, I was really good at it. I could shift my voice, my accent, my gestures to be anyone. But it was always me meeting people in their world. Never was it people kind of <laughs> meeting me in my complexity. Still to this day, I've yet to find another second-gen Afro-Chilean person living in Miami. I mean, I really used to feel like I was a science experiment, like in a Petri dish, you know, take all these uh, ethnicities and parts and DNAs and put them all together and create a human who just really exists nowhere else in the world. And I think I really got into this quest of finding my people, finding where I belonged in high school. Um, So, you know, I joined a lot of groups like Diversity Council or the Black Student Association, and I felt somewhat more comfortable. But also now in retrospect, I realized I did so much mental work trying to make sure that I could be perceived as Latina enough or Black enough, when in reality, I know that the way I speak or act doesn't really resemble the cultural mannerisms of who I say I am. And this used to be really painful for me. But it also became a gift as I felt I could understand everyone to some extent, that I had a more objective lens when it came to identity, since I fit into so many boxes and also fit into none, really. And I think that's why traveling through books and movies has also been such a treat for me my whole life. Like, if I could grasp a little bit of the cultural history and background and context, I felt myself identifying with characters from Poland, Japan, the Dominican Republic, Morocco. I really felt like I just found myself everywhere but my own ethnicity, I guess. And as I've gotten older, I've also really started to enjoy solo travel. You know, when I arrive somewhere that I've never been, I realize I have this mechanism 
where within three to four days in like a foreign city, I'll just start absorbing everything and I catch myself like trying to move or walk or behave or or even talk like (laughs) the people from that city or place. I guess it's a survival skill that's turned into a gift. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) I've definitely come a long way from where I used to be with my identity. I've stopped looking to others for validation and I just, I've realized that I'm a very unique balance of so many parts. I try to be authentic to who Noah is, but I'm still figuring out who I am. But I, I try to show up, even if I fear I will be rejected. I want to invite people into my complexity. And if they dismiss me as this or that or not enough of whatever, or I'm just whitewashed, well then I know that they just don't have the space to understand me at this moment, and that's okay. I think a part of me is still on the quest of belonging, so you know, I'm always searching for the perfect book, podcast, or group that captures the nuance of my experience. And I have been able to find slivers of my reality, my experiences in these places I search, but I could never really find my people. I could never come home. And that's when I realized I had to come home inside myself first to be able to come home to others. That I had to accept myself fully so that I can embrace all the nuance, contradiction, and in-betweenness of others. And then offer a space for other people to show up and know that they're not going to face judgment from me and that I'm going to try my best to understand them in their complexity and their nuance and from their point of view. So that's what I'm doing with this podcast. And let me tell you, with the people I've interviewed here, despite all the wildly different stories and and details of our past, it's the closest I've ever come to finding the community I've always been searching for. So I'm really excited to share these stories with you. I hope you can find parts of yourself in them and come home in a sense as well. Thank you. The In-Between Project is recorded in Miami, Florida and Santiago, Chile. Produced and edited by me, Noah Richard. Music is composed by Diego Richard. The In-Between Project is a podcast made for the nonprofit organization Humanity in Action. Check out more from The In-Between Project at our Instagram, link down below in the transcript, or send me a message to my Instagram or email, also linked down below.